Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. Here's your host, Lillian Kerbick. And that was Will Romy, our producer. Let's talk about money. So uh, today we have a listener question from Eva. Um, which had a delightful subject line, which was Jay Collins NH and Lillian Kerbake walk into a taco shop. She asked uh, kind of some questions about investment allocations. So I thought I would dive in to walking you through investment allocations in this episode. Should I jump into the question? Yeah. yeah. I have 25K in IRAs, SEP and traditional, doing nothing for me in settlement funds. All of my other investments, Roth, personal, are in VTSAX at the recommendation of Uncle J. Colin SNH. He is adamant that VTSAX is all you need, provided that you have the mental fortitude not to panic when the market inevitably crashes and your wealth plummets. The easiest option is to throw the 25k in VTSAX, but at Bullcon you recommend a stock bonds balance. Do you disagree with Uncle J, or is it that you err on the side of the stock's bonds, since most people lack the stomach for market crashes? So... This is actually a really excellent question that Eva has. Jay Collins NH, who is um, someone I've mentioned before on the show, he has a really excellent um, stock series, which essentially walks you through kind of the reasoning behind investment allocation and really walks you through a lot of index investing, um, which is just a free blog series. So if you're if you're kind of want to nerd out about this more, you can totally go read his stock series. It's very approachable. Um, and I've referenced him before. But he really is a big fan of VTSAX or VTSAX, which is a Vanguard Total Market Index Fund. And the big reason that he supports using this kind of for your full portfolio, um, as he's recommended before, is that um, he really thinks it's kind of one of the evenest, broadest distribution funds. It has a very low expense ratio, and, and it's easy way to invest on autopilot is sort of his, his belief. Um, he has, however, walked through a bunch of different allocation types in a portfolio before, including um, a lot of what he recommends is the same kind of thing that I have recommended on the show before, which is the idea that you have um, an index fund for stocks um, and then an index fund for bonds. And the allocation that I generally recommend is you take uh, 110 and then you subtract your age from it. So if your age is 30, you subtract 30 from 110. And that is the percentage you should have in VTSAX or some other type of index fund uh, that is made up of stocks. So that would be 80% of your portfolio in stocks. And then the remaining amount you should put into bonds. Um, And 
The reason we do bonds is they provide a little bit of income to your portfolio during downtimes, um, and they can kind of help stabilize the smooth ride. And if you dig through his back archives, Jay Collins NH actually does uh, recommend bonds um, as well, although he's done some thought experiments where he looks at just having everything in VTX. So... Um, for most people, I recommend that you do want a little bit in bonds because it'll provide some allocation. And generally, as you age, you want to increase the percentage of your portfolio in bonds. That's why we have that subtract your age from 110. One of the risks with that is that you can end up getting a little too conservative, a little too early in life. But why do you think, Will, that you would want to have more of your portfolio in bonds as you get closer to retirement age? It seems like they're more of a sure thing versus riskier investments. Yes. So sort of a move from higher yield, more risk to lower yield, less risk yeah. if your aging makes sense. Definitely. So, um, you know, one of the big things is like we saw people that had their portfolio entirely in stocks or in um, REITs, which are real real estate investment trusts, right before the last recession, but were very close to retirement age. And this wasn't always their own choice. Sometimes this was that their pensions had chosen to invest in what looked like stable um, housing bond, uh, you know, housing funds. Um, but in fact, a large percentage of their portfolio was actually in volatile investments. And so they lost a large percentage of their portfolio right before they went into retirement. Oh, and this wasn't even based on their own financial decisions. Just For some people it was, was, but huh? a lot of people it was the portfolio managers, right? Because a lot of these huge pension managers had invested in real estate because real estate was seen as very stable. Mm -hmm. um, but the problem was that we were doing some, <laughs> <It wasn't. laughs> some shady lending. So essentially there were a lot of people that had money in pensions that, that you know, the portfolio had really dropped because they were not necessarily being managed in a, in a good way. So that's one of the reasons why you would want to have more in bonds is that as you age, you want to preserve more of your wealth as opposed to grow it. So the idea is when you're younger, you want to have more in stocks because they have a higher yield. They, they give more. Um, you want more money. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they build more money for you. And then once you've got the money, you want to preserve it. And that's why you want a larger percentage in bonds. One of the things that Eva was asking is uh, about investing internationally, since the, as she put it, since the U.S. seems to be careening towards hell in a handbasket named Trump. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I actually usually recommend, so in addition to the 80-20 split, I usually recommend at least 15% of your portfolio uh, is in international. And you can split that between international stocks and international bonds. So the way that this would break out is that if you had 80% of your portfolio in stocks, what you would do is you would take 15% of that, which would be 12% of mm -hmm. your total portfolio, and you would invest that in an international index fund. Oh, so um, still an index fund. Still Just... an index fund. You don't have to go be going and picking stocks. You don't need to look up you know, what the best companies in Hungary are in order to do this. There's really generally two types of um, international funds that you can find. There are what's called emerging markets, and there are what's called developed market funds. And the emerging market funds tend to concentrate on like the Asia Pacific region, Africa, and parts of South America where the economies are still very developing, which means that they're volatile, um, but it also means that they have high potential for growth. Right. And then you can also find funds that are, you know, European index funds. You can essentially find index funds for any kind of class of stocks. You really generally, if you want to spread out the risk, which is one of the advantages of index fund investing, you want to go for the broadest possible one, right? So you can get into these deep small cap, large cap, you know, all of these terms that start to get you really into the various types of investing and mutual funds. But if you're going for low expense, 
expense ratio and you don't want to pay a lot or have things loaded into the fund as far mm -hmm. as fees, then you want to look for a broad kind of index fund for whatever market. So you can just find a international index fund that will take a tiny slice of all of the various international markets and sort of invest in the top companies in them. The flip side of that is making sure that you get some international bonds in there. So international bonds, generally right now, U.S. bonds are um, highly rated. They did get downgraded a little bit, but... Right, they, a couple years ago to yeah. one one less than the best. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, we're no longer AAA, we're now AA. But that's still a really good investment. It's kind of the difference between an 850 credit score and an 830 credit score really doesn't matter that much. The U.S. will pay back our debt. Generally, historically, we have always paid back our debt. There are a lot of other countries that have not paid back their debt, partially because some of those countries have, um, you know, as part of war coming, coming out of the war, Germany, for example, had to deal with these really massive debts that were kind of unpayable mm -hmm. under their economy which, you know, were war reparations because they didn't do super great in the war. Uh, super great things. Anyway, you may have followed the Greek bonds a couple years ago, which are linked to generally all euro bonds because they are part of the euro, but they were not doing so hot as an economy and they were having a lot of trouble repaying oh, okay. bonds. And their bonds are really essentially considered junk bonds at this point, which means that uh, they're very high risk. But if they, were to, if they were to pay it back, you'd get an excellent interest rate, right? Right, because they're so cheap. Yeah. It's like when you get a credit card and you have no credit history. And so the you know interest rate on it is like 30%. That's essentially what Greek bonds are gotcha. it's like giving a credit card to a teenager with no job but you can invest in the bond index you're saying which yeah is more so an, broad. an international bond index fund will give you sort of a broad stroke or you could just choose to do european it really depends on you know what you're looking for but again if 20 percent of your portfolio is in bonds you would then just take 15 percent of that which means three percent of your portfolio would be in international and the reason to do that is just kind of to hedge your bets against the fall of the united states hegemony yeah i mean I mean, um, here's the thing. If the United States economy collapses, we all have bigger problems to right, worry than about our than our portfolios. <laughs> um, and that's sort of a lot of the precipice of index fund investing is like, okay, if the U.S. is not paying back its bonds, we are all going to be dealing with more frantic daily freaking out life decisions. Yeah, yeah, finding groceries. <laughs> and trying to, you know, predict international political events in order to reap the benefits of it is not a part-time investing job, right? <laughs> so you are not, you know, you are not Warren Buffett. Um, you are, you know, Unless not you George... are. Hello, Warren Buffett. Yeah, and we still believe that maybe Warren Buffett <laughs> listens to this Probably. show. You are not George Soros. You do not, you are not going to try to short an entire country's stocks or bonds. So because of that, I would recommend just continuing to do index funds. So to recap, essentially, this index fund would have what this um, like a percentage of each of these invested in four different types um, of funds. You, the bulk the of your portfolio would be you, in the you know, total stock really market index fund, which could be VTSEX or another one if that's available to you. VTSEX is a good example of a broad index fund. And it also is easy to say compared to other ticker symbols, so I kind of like it that way. I didn't feel that way when I was reading the introduction. And then the balance of your stock percentage 
manage mm-hmm. your portfolio, um, which a smaller amount right. would be an international Versus stock total index, index fund. And then you would have a percentage company. in bonds, yeah, and this is company, provides company, which some income and stability to large, your you know, portfolio during downtimes. So it's there, it's kind of as a safety release, right? And that percentage would be split between a small percentage would be an international bonds, and the rest would be in U.S. bonds. And this is a good, solid portfolio. You know, it's going to do just as well as the market overall. It's diversified. And you can just set it and forget it, right? And so I think that that is a really excellent way to essentially take it out. And if you're going, oh, I don't have any index funds available. So a lot of people kind of hear this and they get really excited about index funds. And then they go on to their 401k provider or their IOA. IRA provider and go like, I don't have this VTSAX thing. How do I get it? What you want to look for is something that has total market or index in the name. It's quite likely that you have some kind of index fund option. They're becoming more and more popular. And one of the ways to check it is the expense ratio. That may be, depending on your provider, it may be really clearly allocated. Um, and you'll, it'll be easy to tell what the expense ratio is, which, uh, to remind folks, is the percentage that they take out of your portfolio that you never see again. Mm-hmm. If you can't find it, then what you can do is you can take that ticker symbol, which is the five or six digit code. So VTSAX, VBL. LAX, any of those kind of things, you would take that and you would plug it into Yahoo Finance or Google and you would put in that code followed by expense ratio and it should pop right up. And... 0.15% 0.15% with VSACs is what Google tells me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so you generally want to be looking for something below the um, 0.15%, which is really excellent. You can get them as low as 0.05% for some of them. You never want to be paying really more than 0.5%. That's a huge portion of your portfolio, right? That's half a percent of your portfolio that can add up a ton over time. And that's yearly or quarterly? Or... Um, that's the percentage of overall management assets. So oh, I see. Uh, yeah, it, mm-hmm. there's different ways that funds charge you. Some are what is called front-loaded, which means the fees get charged up front. Some of them get charged a yearly asset management fee. But that's the percentage of your total portfolio that goes to expenses, hmm. whatever whatever those expenses may be, or however they're allocated. There's different ways that they're done. With VTX, they're just a total asset management um, fee. So if you have trouble finding an index fund, um, you can always just write in and show me all the ticker symbols that you have available in your 401k. If this isn't a 401k or a 403b or a simple IRA, if this is something where you it's an independent retirement account like an IRA and you have bad options, you're like, oh, I don't, you know, I set up this account, but now that I'm learning more about investing, I realize like, oh, I don't really have good options. Um, you can always move it. <laughs> right. I know that sounds scary, but if it is an independent retirement account, if it's a rollover IRA from an old job, you can move which institution it's at. It's not the funnest process in the world because you're going to have to call someone. I remember we did that pretty early on. Yeah. And that was to move my stuff into an IRA. You can always move your IRA to another institution. It could save you a lot of money in the long term if you're paying high expense ratios. And one way to know what you're already invested in, if you see that you're invested in what's called a settlement fund or you're invested in a a cash fund, that means essentially it's acting like a savings account right now, which means you're not actually invested. Um, Mm. And so some people think that, oh, I'm signed up for my 401k. I've started investing. But they haven't actually logged in and chosen. Oh, okay. So Um, do that. (laughs) Yeah, you have to actually do that to actually be actively investing and gain those benefits of compound interest. Hopefully that answers your question, Eva, and some other people that are maybe 
struggling to get their funds out of settlement funds. How awesome that you've started to set up a portfolio and you're ready to invest. But you got to take that next step so that you actually do start investing. And don't wait if you hear the market is down or you hear the market is up. Don't wait to invest just based on timing the market. Remember, it's more important to get in and get started investing and build that habit than it is to try to time the market. Just a reminder that Oh My Dollars Weekly Money Advice is now out as a personal finance cat-filled workbook called Get Your Money Together. And the illustrated personal finance workbook covers everything from investing to student loans and is available at ohmydollar.com slash book. That wraps our show for today. Our producers, Will Romy, me. Our intro music is by Aaron Parecki, and your host has been Lillian Kerbig, your personal finance educator and host. Thanks for listening, and until next time, remember to manage your money so that it doesn't manage you. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.